Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, guiding you into a brand new year of franchising growth and development. I'm Kieran McLoone, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. Before listening to this episode, don't forget to enter your brand into the highly anticipated Global Franchise Awards 2021, which has an entry deadline of the 29th of March 2021 at 5pm GMT. More information can be found at globalfranchisemagazine.com forward slash awards. Sometimes nailing the basics is what makes a brand truly special and can go a long way towards conquering international markets. By providing freshly baked food and a whole host of accompanying treats, Australian-based cafe franchise Muffin Break has seen continuous growth since its conception in 1989. Starting in Queensland, the brand is now available across the UK and New Zealand too. On this episode, we speak with Natalie Brennan, General Manager for Muffin Break, about how the brand approaches international growth, what changes the pandemic has brought about, and how a dynamic approach to location finding has helped its ongoing expansion. Hiya, Natalie. How are you doing today? Good, thanks. How are you, Kieran? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, apart from the the whole global pandemic thing. Uh, thanks very much for for joining us on the podcast. Just that tiny little thing that we're all dealing with at the moment. But uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> No, for sure. Um, well, on that note, I suppose, unfortunate note, I guess, um, we, we could start by talking about the fact that, you know, at the minute, um, restaurant brands have got this luxury of offering off-premise sales, especially during COVID, you know, delivery and curbside have become really hot topic or keywords that everyone's used throughout the year. Um, but that's not really something I'd commonly associate with a cafe concept such as Muffin Break. And I was curious if you could tell me a little about how the brand has been affected by the pandemic and whether any other avenues for revenue such as delivery and off-premise sales have opened up these past, well, nearly 12 months by this point, which is quite depressing. Yeah, um, it's funny, you know, all these new words that we'd never heard of, you know, curbside pickup, click and collect, all these sorts of things. But, um, yeah, the, and the reason why Muffin Break doesn't um, come to mind really, I think, from Cafe's point of view is across the world in all our markets, we really tend to be in shopping centre areas and often deep in malls and shopping centre spaces. So the delivery model um, up until this point, hasn't really been conducive uh, to somebody parking, having to go into a shopping centre, pick up a delivery, go out, and meeting all of those timeframes for delivery has been really difficult. The other thing for, from a cafe concept is that the average sale is very low. So if you're, um, you know, having your coffee and your, you know, your, your muffin, you know, you, you're under £10 um, or in Australia, you know, well under $10. So, the the restaurants more are dealing with you know larger volumes of of individual orders and so therefore they can pay those delivery fees so that's really why it hasn't happened prior to covid however what i can tell you is that um, particularly uh, in australia what we've seen is that the de- what we call the aggregators who are the delivery um, specialists um, have actually come up with slightly different models during this year, which which cuts their profitability but allows for um, our sort of market, that lower volume market, to actually enter. And, in fact, in Australia, Muffin Break, just before Christmas, we actually got in just uh, mid-November, uh, has worked with one of the aggregators to become their breakfast partner. So this was something we'd seen that was quite different because, again, 90% of the traffic tends to be at nighttime for delivery, whereas 
now that these delivery companies want to expand into other time um, allocations during the day, they're looking for other partners and they're prepared to look at different ways to model that. And so very early days for us, but really seeing some um, some really good numbers coming out. And that's really delivering, and I'll be honest with you, muffins and coffee. That's pretty much it. So, um, yeah, so that's one of the things that we've we've seen in the this year. The other thing that we have done is uh, have a little website, just a little Shopify website that we started up during this 12 months. We were lucky that we had some items um, in Australia. We don't have them in the UK, but in Australia and New Zealand we have them, which is an, an, an at-home offer, uh, particularly muffin mixes and little muffin making kits. And so we were able to generate quite a little bit of profit from those types of things as well. Um, not setting any worlds on fire. I think Amazon is well and truly okay with us doing our little website, but uh, it was just something else to actually add to remind the customers more than anything that, you know, we're still here, we're still going, um, and we're still going to be here, you know, after all of this is over. Yeah, no, it's really great to hear that you've managed to carry on going um, throughout the pandemic. I was just curious um, what the current situation is with your reopenings of Muffin Break in Australia, your obviously original market, because in the UK, at the time of recording this, we've just been put into yet another national lockdown. So I imagine there's, yeah, I imagine there's a lot of closures. But how's um, how's the Australian scene looking at the minute in terms of reopening? Yeah, uh, it's it's been fascinating to see the three different countries in um, how we've had to operate the businesses. You know, UK, as you've mentioned, very much is an open-shut situation, um, you know, and that's that's obviously been dictated by the health, health authorities there. In New Zealand, clearly they had a completely different um, way that they approached uh, the, the pandemic, and I'm sure you've, you've also seen what they did. They went for absolute... Um, you know, eradication of the disease. So they had a very hard lockdown, much to be what you guys are now doing for the second time. Um, and all the stores shut in New Zealand. And that that was for about eight weeks. And then they've come out of that and pretty much have traded since then. So that was very early on. Um, we're talking sort of April um, April, actually March was was when the very end of March was when New Zealand went into the lockdown. And then since then, other than a very small um, territorial area around Auckland, which was really just for a few days, they've been trading and have been trading in pre-pandemic uh, numbers, which, which is really positive for the rest of us knowing that once it's over, um, the trade will resume. In Australia, it's been completely different from the other two because we're a state-based nation. So I'm not sure if you've heard on the on the news in the UK, but um, each of our states constitutionally are able to do whatever they need to do to, to protect the state. So I live in New South Wales, which is the largest population, and live in Sydney, which is the largest population. Um, and we have had a state that has been uh, predominantly open throughout the whole pandemic. So the, all of our stores in New South Wales have been open. And then what has happened, and we are actually in a lockdown period at the moment, but when we talk about lockdown, we talk about state borders closed. So currently, um, if you're in Queensland, uh, sorry, if you're a New South Wales person, you can't go to Queensland, can't go to Victoria, can't go to Western Australia, South Australia, Tasmania, Northern Territory. So at the moment we're, we're landlocked by our states, but within the states 
we're still trading. And so all of our stores have been pretty much trading through the whole pandemic. And again, it was only when Victoria, one of our states, went into a very, very hard lockdown uh, for about 10 weeks. And again, most of our stores traded. It was only in some really select, um, the government sort of selected out food courts as a particularly high um, an opportunity for the for the virus in, in those food courts. And so we had about um, 20 stores that closed for a, for a short period of time. So we have been extremely fortunate in Australia and New Zealand that for the vast majority of the last, um, you know, almost 12 months now, our stores have remained trading. Now, trading is an interesting term. So in its very worst time, those stores you know, could have traded in sort of 70% declines. But for the, you know, the franchisees that I talked to, they really just wanted to keep going. They wanted to get up every day. They wanted to trade. They wanted to serve the customers that they could. Um, and for us, the being in the depths of the shopping centres, a lot of the time near a grocery store actually was to our advantage because as people came out to buy groceries and we were allowed to trade, then, um, you know, people grab a, a coffee and, and a treat as well. So that that was to our advantage. So, yeah, so very different, not only across the different countries, but also across the different states in Australia. Right. And as we've touched upon quite a bit there, obviously, Muffin Break started in Australia is now in the UK and New Zealand. Um, and if we could go back to, I suppose, a pre-COVID world before, um, you know, the, there was such a difference between all the countries and how they handled this. Um, I was curious whether that the, the UK and New Zealand markets needed to be um, approach very differently in terms of expanding from Australia or whether because New Zealand obviously is very close to Australia and culturally a lot of people say it's quite similar in terms of the business landscape, um, whether that was an easier jump rather than to the UK or whether there were any differences between those two. Yeah, so I've, um, for the listeners, I've actually been with the company, the, the franchisor, for um, almost 20 years now. So, in fact, in the first 12 months that I had joined the business was when our UK business started, but New Zealand had been going for a few years before that. So Australia has now been going for 32 years and New Zealand for 27 and the UK is coming up to its 20th anniversary. So those three markets are, you know, what I would call long-standing markets. You probably are surprised to hear that we have been in quite a few other countries. We've actually been in Indonesia, we've been in uh, the United Emirates, we've been in America. And when you say about the cultural, um, you know, similarities to the countries, when we went into those other countries, that was really what was the shock for us and why we're not there now. Oh, sorry, and India, I forgot as well. India we've also been into. So I, I have a theory that um, that the Commonwealth countries are where we do the best and I think it's our, you know, our English um, roots is really, you know, where, where part of it is from. But to be honest, we didn't survive in India either. So it, it has a lot to do with um, the partners that we that we um, that we work with, but um, so to go back to your original question, did we change it? Not originally. Um, we actually looked, just literally picked up the Australian model and went into those countries. But over time, there's obviously been some modifications um, in in New Zealand and in the UK. But still, both of those countries do. St- you know, I still do a report every three months for um, for the for the other countries. 
that goes over everything that we're doing. And I would say even today, 50% of what we do in Australia is is just taken directly and um, moved to the other countries because there is so... Um, just so many, much similarity to the the culture of those of uh, you know the nationalities in those countries as well. Yeah, for sure. And when it comes to um, modifications, I'm sure that's something that the industry as a whole has had to consider, especially the, throughout COVID nineteen. Um, but once there's eventually a vaccine wide rollout, and we can thankfully say you know COVID is done with, um, are there any changes to the the food and beverage or um, cafe landscape that you think will remain? Things like you know the fact that Muffin Break now has incorporated delivery. Do you think that that will remain a, a popular avenue for some people, even when they can enter the stores? Um, normally yeah absolutely I mean pre-COVID we had been um, looking at different ways that we could get our product to our consumers what we what we know absolutely is that you know these Muffin Break is a very loved brand in these three countries and but for the majority of the time we only trade till sort of five o'clock in the afternoon Um, we only open at sort of 8 39 sometimes later so we've actually been looking at other models where could we put the product where people really would want it and for a longer period of time so in Australia we have um, a number of, of different models of of the traditional muffin break um you know rather than sort of the big cab for those that know us the big cabinets sit down you know quite quite large footprints um one of them that we've we've created in australia is in a a transit um train station and is what i call a the size of a pregnant coffee cart you know it's like <laughs> a, a coffee cart with a little bit more on the sides mm. it's it's also testing uh, what our consumers are capable of doing and also testing the brand's um, impact into, into, you know, a general population. And in this particular, you know, I say it's it's more than a coffee cart because the consumer actually grabs their own muffin, so they pick it up themselves. It's a cashless, and was, this is pre-COVID, completely cashless, um, and they do some of the things. So if they want to heat their muffin, they do that themselves. So this is a very busy transit station. So what at the moment we've been pulling a customer base where we can serve a customer from beginning to end every 28 seconds. Now that's extraordinary in our model. So that takes a whole heap of different equipment and the way that you look at the product. And it's still a great muffin break, muffin and, and coffee, but it's delivered to you in a slightly different way. So that was one model we've looked at. The other thing that we've got going on in trial is um, partnering with one of the QSR businesses in Australia. It's a a standalone drive-through chicken uh, business, and we've been putting our muffin breaks into those stores as well, and therefore having an extension of life um, well into the night. You know, these stores are some of them are open twenty-four hours a day, where people can get our muffins and coffee twenty-four hours a day. So those are the types of things that we'll continue to do. Some of the stuff that we've learned in COVID delivery. Um, you know, baking kits, the little Shopify site, all of those things absolutely will keep going and we'll build on what we've learnt um, around those and how we can improve those. And But it really is about how can we get our product into our consumers' hands at different times of the day, which may not all be a shopping centre experience anymore. So I think that's the way that we'll look at uh, future expansion. Right. And across those various models where you have locations in places like train stations, but then also uh, soft play centres, I saw as well, partnerships in that area. Yes. Um, does the 
does the franchisee profile differ much in terms of you know are there different kinds of people looking to invest in different um, types of muffin break or is that quite universal across the entire portfolio um, I think the personality of the franchise is very similar in the play centres. So that's where we've been putting a muffin break rather than just a, having a kitchen where, you know, people are, are you know, traditionally in the soft play centres, you know, you, it's a lot of fried food. So the muffin break really gives an opportunity for a better offer um, for the people going into those centres. But the franchisees themselves are very similar to muffin break franchisees. You know, they've got to love service. They love dealing with people. There's always a food element in the play centres, you know, that those play centres do uh, make, um, you know, a, a, a big chunk of their income through the food operators. So they have to be foodies in the first place. And, in fact, in Australia we have um, we have franchisees from the Muffin Break, uh, the core business, who have actually bought a play centre. So that, that goes to prove that they are the same people um, because we literally have the same people in those businesses. So, so yeah, very similar, uh, similar process um, in finding those, the, the types of franchisees that would go into a play centre, but they do have culturally a great fit because it is a similar service-based uh, model type of franchise that uh, people are looking for, see if they go into those. Sure. And um, what would you say are some of the the main differentiators of Muffin Break that kind of make it an attractive prospect for um, potential franchisees or investors who are looking to to purchase a, a franchise within the F&B space? Why would they come to Muffin Break? Yeah, look, the, the thing about Muffin Break is it's a baked on site product. So there's a lot of flexibility around that. You know, you're not looking at um, you know, products that are brought into you and it's a, it's a you know, absolute cookie-cutter cookie model, you're able to, within um, your personality, you know, really um, show that within the products that you, you deliver. You know, for example, we have about 350 different model uh, muffins that you can actually make on a daily basis and the individual stores will pick which muffins they want to do and which ones are popular and which ones they like. You know, no two muffin breaks in the world ever look the same on any given day. So there is a, a lot that you can add to your own personality into the store itself within a, within a framework that you can work with. So um, that's a really um, a huge advantage for a lot of people. They don't necessarily want to come in and, and be dictated on exactly what they need to do. They'd like, they'd like that flexibility. But the other thing with Muffin Break, you know, it's a long-standing um, legacy brand now in all countries. You know, our support services are, you know, bar none, the best in the world, you know, whether that's training, whether it's the support, you know, even through COVID, the support that we've given our franchisees on a daily basis, making sure that they're, um, you know, keeping up with COVID plans and everything that they've needed. You know, that's the, when things go wrong, your franchisor will really show you if they're a good or bad franchisor. And I think that, you know, really for all of our franchisees right now, they've been really thankful that they're with Foodco because the support we've been able to give them over this past year has been extraordinary. So that's really what you want to look for when you when you are looking to buy. You know, what is your support structures? How can I, you know, impact this business myself? Um, and those are the things that Muffin Break does allow you to do. Right. And what kind of support have you offered currently, um, like UK franchisees, for example, who at the minute have experienced another complete shutdown? 
we've been able to, you know, help them financially with with different. Um, all three countries have different models in regards to, um, you know, what fees fees that they might be paying, but also being able to, you know, assist them with with COVID plans, being able to assist them, you know, just even in a, a mentoring and support um, service, you know, through this, because you know when you shut down, the 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 most important thing that we've found for those stores that have had to close is really just keeping you know, a daily contact with them to make sure they're okay. But there's a lot of personal, this isn't about business, this is about the person, that personal side of it is, um, you know, making sure they're okay and that we are here and that we uh, are there to support them through this and beyond that. Um, the other thing too is knowing that you are with a franchisor that is going to be here at the end, you know, because there are many um, businesses that just won't make it through in all three countries. So, you know, knowing that you have a stable uh, partner that is going to continue to support you, help you, and and will be here uh, when this is all over and will be ready to rebuild, that's got a way, um, you know, well on the minds of the franchisees that are out there right now, in particularly those in closed stores. Yeah, so it's a very comprehensive support package, which, as you say, you know, I imagine a lot of franchisees are really, um, really happy about. Uh, the The last question I wanted to speak with you about, Natalie, is just obviously it's tricky to predict properly at the minute with COVID still being quite a, a large issue. But um, as we now start a new year, are there any kind of development plans on the horizon for Muffin Break with regards to perhaps new countries you're planning on going to or even going back to with regards to some of the others you've already been to or um just yeah any what's what's 2021 look like for the muffin break brand look i think i think 2020 is um you know re- reassemble and uh and rebuild really for for everything i mean um you know i look at where we all were at the beginning of december which actually kieran was when you first asked me to do this this podcast and all three countries were looking so healthy. We were looking like this was the beginning of the end. And then in a very short period of time, um, you know, other than New Zealand and Australia and, and the UK have really flipped and we're back to where we were months ago. So um, obviously with the vaccine coming in, you know, that this time next year is going to be a very different different place. So we'll really focus on who, who we have in the system now, really getting them back and going, and we want to be back to where we were pre-COVID. That's our absolute priority. Um, but pre-COVID, you know, our focus on the UK was actually increasing. You know, we were looking to uh, do a lot more sites in the UK, and we would hope that probably not 2021, but definitely 2022, that those original plans that we had would would be reinstated and so um, of all three countries UK is actually our focus for this decade anyway you know for the next few years because we think there's some some huge opportunities there Um, we're a fairly small footprint comparatively to Australia and um, we just you know we know that everyone in the UK loves the brand so we just need to get the brand out there in the right places so people can uh can can really take take advantage of what a great coffee and muffin is yeah for sure well hopefully in a few months i'll be able to to walk into a muffin break actually in person and grab something but until then at least you've got all the um yes. the delivery options underway um well thanks very much for your time today natalie it's been really great speaking with you and yeah looking forward to when the world is a more normal place and uh, a muffin break is is expanding throughout the uk my pleasure thank you very much 
Despite the current success of Muffin Break, at least in countries where the brick and mortar stores are permitted to open, it was refreshing to hear Natalie be so candid about the brand's handful of missteps where it entered countries like India and Indonesia and discovered that simply transposing the concept didn't quite work. That being said, in countries where Muffin Break has succeeded, it's managed to really thrive by eschewing the standard brick and mortar build out and instead opting for various models in places like train stations and 24 hour quick service restaurants. Muffin Break has managed to not only continue operation, but in New Zealand specifically, has barely missed a beat. We'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Have you seen an F&B success story throughout the pandemic where a brand has evolved its build out to cater to the current times? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.